What's it take to be a part of the Army Corps of Engineers? That's coming up on the K-12 Engineering Education Podcast. I'm Pius Wong. Recently, I got to speak with Dr. Michael Sterling, PhD, the chief engineer overseeing major water resource projects for the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers Southwestern Division. Dr. Sterling's achievements span a long career in civil and environmental engineering, computer modeling, and managing large-scale missions in water resources. Hear about how he got on this track next. My name is Michael Sterling, and I am the lead water resource engineer uh, for the Southwestern Division of the Army Corps of Engineers. And the Southwestern Division is comprised of uh, about six states, which are located on the lower uh, southern plains of the United States. So that's our that's our mission area. And my job as the lead water resource engineer is to support water resource projects that provide flood risk reduction, uh, but also provide benefits such as water supply and hydroelectric power uh, for the nation. So we've got a big, big responsibility here in this region. Wow. So that's huge. And I think that some people might not understand how engineers are needed to help prevent floods and deal with all these things. Why do we need engineers to tackle these issues? Why can't other people handle flood prevention or water supply, that kind of thing? Sure. So engineers have, almost by mission across the board, uh, use math and science to solve problems. And so when we think about the problems and opportunities that are created around water resources, my challenge as a water resource engineer is to use the tools of, of math and science to help us uh, both protect people uh, who may be vulnerable to, to flooding inside of uh, floodplains, as well as optimize the benefits of, of water for the water supply purposes or, or uh, hydropower or even the navigation design. So, so we're just using the tools of math and science to help us uh, solve problems more efficiently. I see. And why is the Corps of Engineers, the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, involved in this? Why, why um, can't we have like private companies doing that same thing? Sure. So the the mission of the Army Corps of Engineers, especially being involved in the uh, water resources area, just stems from from history. Uh, we've been involved in this area virtually since the beginning of the founding of the country, uh, and and our missions have evolved as as the nation needed us to take on more and more. Uh, as the Corps, we serve as the public steward uh, of these areas. And so we do work with a lot of uh, private and industrial firms to help us. Uh, But as the single representative for the nation's needs with respect to a lot of the water resource challenges, uh, we provide type of type of honest broker services uh, for the nation. What kind of technology is involved? I know you, you said that engineers have to use math and science to help uh, manage these systems, create these systems. I know that we always hear about new technology coming out of other industries. What about this field? What's something new and, and interesting that you think uh, someone should know about? 
Sure. So there's a couple of, of big areas that the core with respect to water resources uh, engineering is, is involved with. Uh, one is the evolution of of uh, models such as uh, geographic information systems. Uh, those are models that allow us to represent the Earth's surface in a digital format. And so if you think about areas such as floodplain management, it's helpful to have some type of, of uh, geographic representation of different places so that we can uh, develop problem-solving designs, lay them right on top of uh, what we view a local topography or, or uh, the ground, local ground shapes, so that we can see how effective our answers may be uh, in in a quick amount of time. So, so that's one of the areas hmm. that uh, is really evolving. That that's really interesting. You know that we're in Austin. We're based in Austin, Texas, so we're very familiar with thinking about flooding and also technology and that kind of thing. That's interesting that you mentioned that computer modeling and simulation is involved in this right now. I understand that you've studied a lot of different engineering fields, and I was wondering if you could talk about what you studied and, and what's the value of of knowing engineering or studying across different disciplines. Yeah, so I did study across a, a number of engineering fields, and part of that approach was I approached engineering as, you know, just general problem solving, but I wasn't really sure on a personal level what type of problems I really wanted to be most involved in, in solving. So uh, I began uh, my career uh, studying and, and being involved in uh, chemical engineering uh, areas. And, and after some time working in that arena, working in the petrochemical arena, I decided I wanted to shift to do something a little bit different. So I went uh, back to college and, and got involved with biological and agricultural engineering, uh, in part because I was interested in, in, in some of the environmental engineering challenges that that, that, that uh, area studied. Uh, and I did some research work in that area, but then I slowly migrated more into the civil and environmental engineering uh, world, partly because of my public service interests. That major really is it undergirds a lot of the public service uh, agencies that you that you see both at the local, state, and, and federal levels. And it also blended my past uh, study work in, in both the chemical and environmental world to be able to help solve some of those problems. So, frankly, as you study across uh, STEM fields in general, you, you start to see a lot of the interconnectedness between different areas. And even though they have the, the different fields have different names, uh, as you start to get more and more uh, involved in them, you start to see a lot more commonality between uh, those areas and, and the differences start to blur. So so I, I, I was fortunate enough to learn that as, as I got further along, uh, but the, the labels matter less uh, as, you, as you learn more about uh, these different areas. So you don't have to know exactly what you want to do when you're a young kid or something? Luckily for me, that's the case because I, I I did bounce around a little bit as I as I tried to uh, learn more, and I think it helped me to ask uh, different questions. Uh, so it made me better all around. So I appreciate that experience. So how did you end up at the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers? So I ended up uh, at the Corps of Engineers. Uh, at, it was it was followed. Uh, my work as a PhD student, 
uh, in civil engineering, and I was, as, as most students, interested in trying to figure out, okay, what's going to be my career step after after college. I talked with a number of uh, state and federal organizations, and I just was impressed as I talked with the Corps of Engineers with the breadth of missions that uh, the agency did, uh, the number of types of large projects that, that we support uh, as, as the Corps. And so I wanted an opportunity to help you know, join that team and, and find a place where I could make a contribution. That's fantastic. And today you're overseeing, like you said, a ton of huge projects. And um, I, I was wondering if there was someone younger growing up today who maybe was interested in, in these types of fields, these these large projects that affect a lot of people's lives, what can they do? What should they do? So I go to uh, reach out with young people at the college level through career fairs and also through their, their student engineering groups, but also at the high school and middle school uh, areas to, to reach out to those students. And what I tell uh, the younger students particularly is really be open to experiences of, uh, of all your classes. You know, math and science are sometimes challenging, but but uh, definitely try to learn as much about that as you can as well as the other as well as the other subjects that you're studying. Um, and then try if you if you feel like you do have an, an interest in uh, science or engineering field, uh, you know, try to do things in the extracurricular world. Um, I, I personally got involved with uh, doing science fairs, and so that helps me to build my understanding of, of uh, science and engineering in a different way. Other other students, I encourage to do the robotics clubs or other uh, clubs, you know, at their school, because you're going to learn a lot of things outside of the classroom that'll make you ask questions that makes the learning in the classroom even more interesting. So that's what I encourage. Do they have to do ROTC, for example, if they wanted to be part part of the Corps? Do they have to be military? No, so as, yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, so even though the Army Corps of Engineers is a Department of Army organization, over 98% of our uh, staff are civilians. So we do wow. have we have some military uh, uh, employees or staff, but the vast majority are civilians. So you don't have to be in, in the military to be a part of the Army Corps of Engineers. And frankly, most of our folks aren't. Uh, but we we do support. We have a number of folks that support a lot of military missions uh, across across the world. And then we have folks uh, like myself who specialize in areas such as water resource engineering or even ecosystem restoration type work that that are less uh, in, involved in the military support. So we have a lot of missions, you know, whenever the there's a need for our nation to, you know, do something that requires engineering support. Uh, we're, we're one of the agencies that kind of runs toward the mission to help out. Okay. And you mentioned kind of a big diversity of fields that the Army Corps of Engineers works on, more than just water resources management, that kind of thing. I feel like sometimes it's hard for younger people to find uh, mentors or role models or, or people that they know doing something that they're interested in. Um, how can young people 
get or find mentors other and like to see engineers like you doing what they want to do or how can teachers help young people find these mentors sure so uh there are a couple of ways to to find engineering professional mentors and of course if you're fortunate enough to to uh live in a city that uh has you know in engineer engineering professions um located there you know there's a lot of you know employees that reach out but also uh, an, another source of information is through the professional organizations that engineers are involved in so in my case uh, i'm involved in the uh, society of american military engineers uh, i'm also involved in the american society of civil engineers and, and we have chapters all across the, the country and we're always looking as part of our professional organization to support k-12 through students and help them to understand our profession better. So uh, my my advice would be if you don't know an engineer directly through their professional occupation, reaching out through one of these professional organizations may be a way to uh, get a link in to, to some folks who can support the K-12 folks. Related to that, I was wondering did you have any heroes or people helping you out when you were growing up trying to, cause I, I think engineering can be viewed as really hard sometimes, sure. you know? Sure. And so I, I'll say, uh, as far as growing up, of course, uh, you know, my, my parents really set a good foundation, not so much with respect to engineering, but, but their approach to life and problem solving, uh, was, could be summed up in the fact that, Every problem has some kind of solution, and they kind of drill that into us all the time. And so uh, the way that manifested in me, uh, as an example, was I, I turned into a problem solving more in the engineering field. So so I, I'll point to that foundation as key. And then uh, even though I'm, I have a strong science and engineering background and interest now, I didn't really have that in middle school, uh, just to be just to be frank with you. And uh, I had a very influential uh, middle school science teacher who pointed out to me that she thought I should be involved in science fairs. And uh, being a typical middle school student, my my response was, "Well, that sounds like extra work. I don't want to do it." <laughs> so, okay. but, but in a small frame, we kind of had a really close knit community, and so uh, I think she saw my apprehension, and she reached out to my parents, which uh, she she knew, and uh, and and explained that they she felt like I needed to do that, and so after that communication happened, I was on I was on board or, or volunteered, if you want to say, uh, to. <laughs> to uh get get with it. So uh and, and and it and it worked out. I mean I I do was a school science fair and got a little bit of uh recognition and the bug kinda stuck and that was middle school. Um uh, I just kept doing it every year until you know it kinda culminated uh in high school when I uh wound up attending the uh, international science fair which was held I think that year in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So the Intel so it was Internet. okay. That, that's pretty famous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I had no idea. I mean, frankly, in middle school, I, I wouldn't have known that. And I don't think, I don't think, uh, I don't think they knew that either. You know, even <laughs> when they encouraged me to do that, uh, you know, at that at that age. Uh, 
but it was a like I said, I had this nat I, I had had a strong encouragement to be able to to solve problems and think things through, and so it just you know with the nurturing like I say really of those that middle school teacher and and then others also it just kind of manifested into this you know growing appreciation for 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 science and engineering so. That sounds really great. Uh, I wanted to wrap up maybe with one broader question going back to your expertise in uh, water management and flood control systems. Uh, what do you think the future is for flood control, emergency management, all of that? Is there is there anything, any questions that are, are we really are burning to answer that maybe future engineers can help out with? Sure. So there are the water resources engineering arena is one of the ones that's really going to be impacted by a lot of, of different stressors. Uh, so on one hand, uh, folks are, are, are interested more in uh, changes in the climate. And mm-hmm. so those, those translate potentially into additional rainfall and, and uh, stronger storms. And so as, as water resource engineers, our challenge is to be able to design effective systems to, to deal with those types of environmental changes. Uh, and similarly, there'll be some other places where you may have less rainfall. And, and so uh, the challenge will be how do we support uh, populations with respect to water supply where there may be less rainfall than there historically has been in a certain area. So so there's a ton of water resource challenges that are set, set to emerge over the next, you know, 50 years or so. And uh, that's something that we're going to need more specialists to help us solve uh, those problems. All right. I guess there's a lot of work to be done still. Right. Exactly. Dr. Sterling, I really appreciate the time you spent with us. I know that you're you're busy doing lots of things, so I don't want to keep you too much. But uh, I just wanted to say thank you on behalf of me, my my helpers, my colleagues producing the show, and everyone listening. If uh, people want to learn more about the Corps, is the best way to just visit online or or speak with their local uh, chapters or something? That's correct. Yeah, the best way is to is to go online. And, and that's that uh, we have a lot of different depending on where you are in the country. Uh, we have a lot of different facilities that are local and they can support the kinds of questions that folks may ask. Or, uh, again, reaching out through professional organizations, we're, we're available throughout all the communities that we service. So folks are always willing to help out, especially to your audience, those uh, folks that are helping develop the K through 12 future leaders for our group so (laughs) we appreciate their work as well that was dr michael sterling lead water resource engineer for the u.s army corps of engineers southwestern division a few years ago dr sterling made a speech in honor of that middle school teacher who voluntold him to do science fairs it was miss elizabeth hawkins and you can watch a video of dr sterling talk about her at the 2015 black engineer of the year awards gala That's right, Dr. Sterling also won 2015 Black Engineer of the Year. To watch the speech at the awards ceremony, just visit the link to it in this episode's show notes. As always, you can also find these links and more information about topics mentioned today on the podcast website, k12engineering.net. That's k12engineering.net. 
The K-12 Engineering Education Podcast is a production of my independent studio, Pios Labs, in Austin, Texas, where I support many different engineering and education projects like this one. Go to patreon.com slash Labs and donate today. Thanks for listening, and thank you for supporting the podcast. 